Good morning. It's good to be with you again this morning. My wife, Jill, screamed, and I came around the corner just in time to see him run, up the, run through our living room, up the stairs, into our bathroom. I took off after him, uh, grabbing the first thing I saw, a bucket. I'm not exactly sure what I thought I was going to do with that, but just on instinct. And when I got to the bathroom, it was all quiet. And I came around the corner, and at first I didn't, I didn't see him. And then, crouching in our bathtub, I saw him, our intruder, my enemy, this chipmunk. And I knew at that point that only one of us was going to come out of there victorious. And I shut that bathroom door, and just like that, that superhuman chipmunk took a flying leap right at me, and I went, oh, against the back wall. I mean, he almost gave me a heart attack. Jesus said, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And he wasn't talking about chipmunks but something a lot more significant than that. But really? Love your enemies? you got to be kidding. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your presence with us this morning. Thank you, God, for your word that's alive, that uh, teaches us and corrects us. And Lord, we pray that that word today would uh, sink into our hearts and change us and make us more like you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you have your Bibles, you can open it up this morning to Matthew chapter 5, uh, starting at verse 43. We're going to read 43 through 47. So Matthew chapter 5, 43. So Jesus said, you have heard that it was said, love your brother and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. He, your Father in heaven, causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your brothers, what are you doing more than others? Do not even the pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. This first month of the year, God, God's been really hard on me. It seems like every day when I pick up my Bible and have my devotions, the scripture is just something really challenging and convicting. And, and this was one of them that we read today. You know, those, we love those scriptures about how much God loves us and about how he's always with us. And then he goes and says things like this. I mean, really, Jesus? Love, love your neighbor? The truth is, or love your enemy? The truth is, for most of us, it's hard enough to love those that are close to us. I mean, I love my family. But really, am I the only one who can take out the garbage? And kids, you know, you love your parents. But if they embarrass you one more time in front of your friends, you're ready to trade them in, aren't you? Yeah. But this command of Jesus is even more difficult than loving those that are close to us, you know, family and friends who annoy us a little bit. 
It's more difficult than loving casual acquaintances or even strangers. You know, Jesus said, love your enemies. He's talking about loving those that, who, come, who come flying at us, who want to harm us or do harm us, who mock us, who are antagonistic to us, maybe want nothing to do with us. So, kids, those of you who are in school, you can relate to this. When I was in sixth grade, I remember this guy. His name was Joel, and he sat behind me in math class, and he made it his mission to make my life miserable. All he, during math class every day, he would always pick on the back of my shirt and on my hair, whatever, until, and of course, when the teacher would look, he would always sit perfect, and she would never know what was going on. But he, he didn't have my good in mind. He just wanted to make my life miserable. You know kids like that, don't you, in school? High school students, you know what I'm talking about, too. You know that, that guy or girl who struts around school like they're all that? And most of the time won't give you the, the time of day. But if they see any opportunity to cut you down, to make you look stupid, they'll take, the, take that opportunity, won't they? Thankfully, adults, we don't have to deal with those kind of things, do we? Right. That's right. Nobody, none of you have ever had a coworker who talks about you behind the back or goes behind your back and undermines you, right? Or parents, you, those of you with kids, you've never, had, you've never had those feelings about some other parent who has maybe uh, intentionally or unintentionally done something to your kid, you know, like invited everybody else to the birthday party but your kid. Or maybe, maybe it's someone in church, church brother or sister who somehow is hurt you or disrespected you. Maybe it's those people on the other side of the political aisle who are just militant about their beliefs and you have a hard time with. Or, dare we say it, maybe it's those Philadelphia Eagles fans, right? <laughs> but love your enemies, Jesus? you got to be kidding. Jesus spoke these words as part of what we call the, the Sermon on the Mount, or some people call the homily on the hill. I think if he did it today, he'd be on a rock and they'd, he'd do it like uh, Toby Mac or something. It'd be the rap on the rock. But this was, the whole message from beginning to end was this challenging, um, countercultural message that he gave. It was then and it still is today. I mean, he said things like, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. I don't think so. I mean, that's at least not what our culture says. And that's not what their culture said then either. It was blessed are the Romans, those who have power, who are in charge. Or blessed are the Sadducees and Pharisees who had wealth and influence. Not blessed are the meek. Come on. Blessed are the stars, the professional athletes, the billionaires. You don't get anywhere by being meek. You gotta, you gotta have money or good looks or talk trash or you gotta look out for yourself, right? But Jesus said, Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. And he said things like, The law says, Do not murder. Well, we can all agree with that, right? I mean, that's a good thing. But then he goes farther and says, If you're angry with your brother, you'll be subject to judgment. Um, Okay, that's pushing it a little far, isn't it, Jesus? That kind of hits home. And he says lots of other countercultural, challenging things. And then he says, 
love your enemies. Wow. So as followers of Jesus, we're supposed to obey his commands. But Jesus, what are you thinking? You know, on that day, they lived in an occupied land. So the Romans had conquered the land. They were occupying them. I mean, imagine if, say, Russia invaded the United States, and they put, uh, they were all over the place, they put all these stringent regulations on us and what we could do, how we could do it, tax the living daylights out of us. Well, that's pretty much the situation they were dealing then. The, the Romans, uh, if, you, if you stayed under the radar, did what they said, uh, you could probably get by. You'd still be oppressed, you had freedom, didn't have any freedom. But if you stepped out of line or rebelled in any way, the iron fist of Rome would just would crush you. So Jesus, when he was talking to these people, these were their enemies. He knew what, they knew what enemies were. Jesus himself, when he was a child, Mary and Joseph fled with him to escape Rome, who was just vicious and were killing all the young children. He was a target. So he understands enemies. And yet he says, love your enemies. So what does that look like? So I work with Youth for Christ International, and we are grateful for your partnership with us in this really amazing movement of God around the world. And what began as a, a movement in the United States back in the 40s quickly spread around the world, and today we work in over 100 nations around, around the globe. And our mission is uh, raising up lifelong followers of Jesus, sharing the life-changing message of Jesus with young people. And that doesn't go over very well everywhere, because the cross of Christ has enemies around the world. The message of Jesus flies in the face of people with only selfish motives or evil, or evil ones. In Mexico, for instance, the drug cartels ripped off the front of our Youth for Christ staff person's house. Why? Because they didn't like the message he's sharing with, with young people. Because if you come to follow Jesus, you give up violence. You break free from those destructive influences in your life. In Egypt, where radical Muslims have been oppressing and attacking Christians for a long time. I mean, back a few years ago when the, the protests were in Tahir Square, they burned 70 Christian churches in a 30-day period. And our Youth for Christ staff person there, Imad, a friend of mine says, I don't expect to live very long. Why? Because the message of Christ that they're sharing with kids, that they're doing in the, in the garbage dumps where kids are living and the streets and the soccer fields, flies in the face of what the Islamic majority is trying to force down young people's throats. In Bangladesh, where 63% of Christians say they have personally experienced violence because of their faith, our YFC director there, Peter, regularly gets death threats. He runs, Youth for Christ there runs uh, multiple orphanages for kids and all sorts of great outreach for kids. And so he's, he's pretty well known. And because of that, he's a, a target. Once Recently, he was sitting in a meeting with some other leaders, and his, his cell phone rang, and he answered it. And the guy on the other end said, I know where you are. I know where you live. I know what time you leave for work and when your kids go to school. I don't like what you do, and I'm going to kill you and your family unless you give me $5,000. Well, 
Well, he was pretty spooked by that because it was very specific. And he said, I, I don't have $5,000. And what do you mean? You don't even know what we do. So, did Jose in Mexico flee when they ripped off the front of his house? No, he stayed and he continued to reach out to young people. Did my colleague Emad in Egypt flee? No, he too stayed and day in and day out, they continued to share that message of Jesus with, with kids. Did Peter in Bangladesh get out of town when he got that threat? No, no, he, uh, he said, well, I don't have $5,000. And eventually he talked him down to $50. <laughs> and, then, and then he invited them to the Youth for Christ office to hear about what they do. Who does that? And the guy came, and he continues to come back, and they continue to have conversations. Why are they like that, those people around the world? Because for them, all of them, there's nothing more important than a relationship with Jesus and telling others, helping young people come to have that kind of relationship. If you paid attention to the news at all the last few years, actually it was just in the news again this morning I saw, um, about the horrible things that have been happening in Syria. Unbelievable things done to people, and Christians in particular are a target. And during those first few years there, um, millions of people fled Syria. About two million people went into neighboring Lebanon. And Lebanon is just a little country. If you set it inside Minnesota, it would probably reach from north to south, from Kokedo to about Rochester, and only about a third as wide. Only about four and a half million people in that whole country. And two million refugees came into that country. Country with not many resources. If you lived there, you'd have about 70% less income than you do now. What would that be? Not much, right? And suddenly they have all these people that fled the country, many who have experienced horrific things, who lost family members, who uh, just probably left their homes in the middle of the night with nothing. They come with no jobs, no, uh, no money, uh, no place to live. Not only that, but these are their enemies. Syria is Lebanon's enemies. A few years ago, their prime minister was assassinated, and they believe Syria was behind it, along with many other uh, vocal legislators, media people who spoke out against Syria were assassinated. They've been occupying Lebanon for nearly 40 years. So suddenly their enemy is on their, their doorstep as refugees. Can you imagine that? What are these? And the, the Christians have hard feelings about Syrians too. I mean, in school, if uh, you wanted to make fun of a kid, you call him a Syrian. So what are the Christians to do? That, I mean, these feelings run deep. So I love the way Maher, our Youth for Christ guy there, saw it. He said, what an opportunity, he said. Most of these would never have a chance to hear about Jesus back in Syria. But here they are. And we have the freedom that we can share with them. Maher had to get over his own feelings because his own uncle had been killed by the Syrians. But Maher started reaching out with uh, partnering with local churches in Lebanon to show love 
and shared Jesus with these refugees, the majority of which, by the way, are young people. So what does loving your enemies look like there? It looks like finding them a bed or some clothes or some foods. It's planning some activities or camps for kids who have nothing to do, no schools to go to. It means being there to answer their questions when they say, why are you doing this? Or, Jesus showed up in my dream last night, which is happening frequently. Jesus showed up in my dream last night. Can you tell me about him? So Maher and those other guys I mentioned are great examples for me of what it means to love your enemies. Do they do it because they want to? Because they suddenly have warm feelings for these people? No, they do it because Christ commanded them and they're following his example. The verse says, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute them, so that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. He causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good. He sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. We do it because that's what our Heavenly Father is like. Even though our people are evil, they hate God, He still cares about them. He sends them sun and rain, provides them food, shelter, and all sorts of other good things. Do they deserve it? Do we? No, absolutely not. But that's what God is like, and that's what he wants us to be like too. So we love our enemies because Jesus commanded it. And he not only commanded it, but he demonstrated it. You know, he allowed his enemies to mock him, make fun of him, to brutalize him, torture him, to put nails in his hands and feet and hang him up on a pole like a dirty rag for people to to laugh at and make fun of. And then he died. And even while he was dying, he prayed for them. He said, prayed for the very people who were brutalizing him, saying, Father, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. And then he died, of course, for us, for them. They didn't deserve it. We didn't deserve it. But he did it because he loves us so much. You know, Romans 5, 7 and 8 says, For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would even dare to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. What happens when we love our enemies? Well, Jesus said, a new commandment I give you to love one another. As I have loved you, so also you must love one another. And by this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So we, we in Youth for Christ, we're an evangelistic organization. We're all about sharing the message of Jesus and calling young people to follow him. And we've used all sorts of things over the years, methods to, to do that. I, back when it began in the 40s, they used big rallies and thousands would come. But today around the world and here in the United States, you'll find them in schools or in juvenile institutions. In Germany, they pull up big buses um, like mobile coffee houses into the squares. In uh, Moldova, you see them working with kids on the street, or like I said, in Egypt in garbage dumps, whatever it takes. Our motto has been geared to the times, but anchored to the rock. But do you know what's at the heart of all those things, really? It's love. 
You know what I think the best evangelistic method is? You think it's rallies, TV specials, uh, music? I'd say it's love. It's love, the kind of love that goes beyond just loving those who are close to us or those who are like us, who don't annoy us. The kind of love that goes as far as loving our enemies. That's what distinguishes us from the rest of the world and draws people to Jesus. There was a, a Youth for Christ guy here in the United States who noticed um, outside the school, across the street from the school, this group of teenage guys that hung out there before school every day. And they were having a smoke before school. And most adults didn't want anything to do with them. They're kind of a rough crowd. But one Friday morning, he pulled up with some hot chocolate and some donuts for these guys. And at first, they, the, these guys were pretty suspicious of him. But, you know, it was cold out, and the hot chocolate and the donuts tasted pretty good. So he started showing up there every Friday morning with hot chocolate and donuts. And they started to look forward to it, got to know him a little bit. One day, the police pulled up, wanted to know what he was doing. Well, that only made his street cred go up with these guys because now he had been hassled by the police just like they had been. You know what was happening there? Jesus was meeting with those guys every Friday morning. He didn't go there as a salesman to sell Jesus, though you know his heart was that they would come to know him and follow him. He went there to love them. And you can be sure he prayed for them and looked for any opportunity to share the message of Jesus with them. But it was, it was love that motivated him. So it comes back to us. You know, what do we do with that command of Jesus to love our enemies? For my neighbors who have a cabin next door to us, who swear and party and drink and shoot fireworks over our house and really can make our life miserable sometimes? What have I done to show love for them? Have I even prayed for them? For our neighbors of other races, you know, our Somalians in our states, in, in our, our neighborhood. Some of them, what have I done to show them love? Some of them have experienced horrible things. Do I even know any? Or the kid at the, at the locker next to you who, who hasn't been very nice to you, have you done anything to show love to them? Or do you just keep your head low, try not to get noticed, draw their attention or derision? Jesus gives us the first step right away here. He says, pray for them. So we pray that they would come to know and follow him, that he would change their lives and I encourage you to pray for young people around the world that we work with, that the same thing would happen to them. And we pray for ourselves, that we could follow Christ's example, that we wouldn't retaliate, that we might see people through his eyes and see the needs and the hurts and things in their lives, and that we could forgive when we've been hurt ourselves. And we look for opportunities to show love. When our son Elijah who is now a senior, was in middle school, he could be a little troublemaker. I mean, he never did anything really bad, but if there was an opportunity to get a laugh, he would take it. 
And it wasn't always so nice and uh, didn't go over so well always with the teachers. So let's just say he developed a close personal friendship with the principal. <laughs> Actually, they do get along pretty well. <laughs> but, um, but one day, just to be funny, he pulled out the chair from this girl. Her name was Brittany. And, of course, she laughed and everybody else laughed. But he got sent to the principal's office. And Jill was just incensed because she works in the school and she hears everything that goes on. And she knew this girl, and it was a girl who was, you know, not very popular and already kind of had a hard time in school. And she, uh, she said to Elijah, why would you do that? He said, well, I was just being, it was just funny, Mom. It was just being fun. She said, I don't think so. She said, if it had been with one of your good friends, maybe I can see that. But you know this girl. You, you have had issues with her for a long time, really. They were kind of enemies. And he said, you know, know that. Why would you do that? And he said, no, my Mom, really, we've become friends. Oh, really, Jill said. She said, okay, well, you know, for the consequences for your uh, actions, she said, I think either you can skip basketball for the next week, which he loves, or since you've now become good friends, you can invite her over Saturday. And he went, I'll skip basketball. <laughs> yeah. We love, it's easy to talk about loving our enemies, but it's a lot harder when it comes down to really following through and doing it. So what about us? Are we just going to talk about it or do it? Who does God bring to your mind when we talk about an enemy or that difficult person that Christ is calling you to love, calling you to forgive or to go that extra mile to reach out to? Whoever it is, let's do it because Christ commanded it us because he first loved us because we want to be like him. And let's pray that the world, even those who persecute us, even the Philadelphia Eagles fans, will come to know the great love that the Father has for them. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you love us so much, that you... Uh, you died for us while we were yet sinners. Lord, uh, show us those people that we need to love and reach out to. And Lord, then give us the courage to do that. Lord, we pray that we could extend your love to them and that if they don't know you, that they would come to know and follow you too. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.